Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to the Fearless Women podcast. Guess what? I have a new book coming out on March 3rd. It's called Fearless Girls with Dreams, Women with Vision. It's a collection of inspiring true stories and includes my next guest, Lisa Kimmel. Lisa oversees Edelman's Canadian and Latin American operations. And as if that's not enough, she sits on the Global Operations Committee. She's won recognition so much, including being inducted into WXN's Hall of Fame after winning four years in a row. And of course, she has many other awards in her stellar career. And I'm delighted to have her on the show. Welcome, Lisa. Hello, Janice. I am so thrilled to be here with you today. Oh, so delighted. Now, fearless listeners, we know you're listening from all around the world, including USA, UK, Australia, and so many more countries. So thank you. Now, please show me and now Lisa some love by going online and pre-order your copy of Fearless by Janice McDonald at Amazon or chapters.ca and spread the word. I've already done that. Yes, of course you have. You're amazing. Lisa, you have had already... And you're, you're not even, you're just getting started. Such an impressive career. You're known for your fresh, collaborative, and authentic approach. And that's resulted in a ton of recognition, of course, for you, but also for Edelman Canada. Tell us more about your role and the company. What are you up to over there? So Edelman is the world's largest communications firm. Um, family owned still by the Edelmans. And for the last 17 years, I have been with the firm um, and have had progressive uh, roles within it. And for the last five years, I have overseen the Canadian business and then uh, just about a year ago took over Latin America as well. Which is... Off to Mexico City tomorrow. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. And so uh, what excites you about Edelman? Why why do you love being there? 17 years and, and... Great opportunity, clearly. So so a lot of people ask me that question because particularly within a communications agency environment, there is significant turnover in the mm. industry. Um, so there are a number of things. One is, is that it's still family owned and it's incredibly entrepreneurial. And I actually come from an entrepreneurial family as well. My father has his own business. And very so, successful business, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he always taught me that I should want to run my own business. And um, I do feel that even though I'm part of a global firm, that I am running my own business. So Richard Edelman sets the global strategy for uh, on a five year basis. Um, but I have the latitude to determine what makes sense in my market. So I really feel like I'm running my own business, but I also have access to incredibly bright people with a variety of expertise across all segments of communication um, that I can tap into to deliver the best solutions for our clients. Give us a sense of size here in Canada, because obviously it's 
to your point, it's global, but what, what's happening here in Canada? So in Canada, we have five offices mm-hmm. in Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Calgary, and Vancouver. There are about 275 employees across those five offices. And then I also see, oversee Latin America, as you referenced, and um, we have operations in Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, Brazil, and then Miami also happens to be part of our Latin American, not U.S. business. Oh, my gosh. So you're on the road. I am on the road a lot. to amazing places. Yes. (laughs) So, Lisa, how do you define success? So, I mean, success is very personal. And um, for me, success is having fulfillment in my life, both personally and professionally. And I'm someone who is constantly assessing and reassessing whether I'm happy and fulfilled in both aspects of my life. And if not, then I'm not successful. Mm. And do you kind of have a set of questions that you go through or it's more of this kind of quiet reflection? How do you, how do you audit that? I'm very disciplined with my time. So uh, I have a very hectic schedule balancing both work and my life. I have two kids. My son turns 16 um, on Thursday, and I have a, an almost 14-year-old daughter. And so um, I'm disciplined with how it is that I spend my time. So I will block into my schedule time to obviously do my work commitments, but also to spend time with my kids. But importantly, I spend time with myself. Mm. And so I will block that into my calendar, um, whether it is physical fitness, whether it is yoga, I've started to meditate, um, or just reading. And so I really, and then of course I travel a lot. So I sit on planes, Mm -hmm. which, you know, people say, oh my gosh, you must hate being on planes all the time. But it actually gives me the opportunity to think, to Mm -hmm. step back and really reflect on my life, my career, my aspirations. Mm -hmm. So it's no surprise that you're running the show there. This is a very strategic approach to even how you manage your schedule. Yeah, it's exciting. All right, what's something that you wish you knew earlier? So I am introverted and quite introverted, and people are surprised by Mm -hmm. that because in my role, um, I do a significant amount of public-facing activities, whether it be public speaking. Today, I was in Ottawa to actually speak at a conference Um, engaging with clients and large audiences. Um, But I, when I was young, because of my introversion, I was held back. And my... How so? What's an example? Well, my parents would always, when they would go to parent-teacher interviews when I was in elementary school, they would always come back and say, your teachers think that you are incredibly bright. You have things to say, and yet you won't say them. Why won't you raise your hand? And participate. And I was so fearful of doing that. And so, um, you know, looking back and, you know, fortunately, my son is incredibly extroverted and will talk to anyone. (laughs) My daughter is more like me and, and more reserved. And so from a very young age, I really encouraged her to have a voice. And that's what no one really said to me explicitly when I was a kid. Just speak up. Mm -hmm. Do it. Exactly. Just do it. Yeah. So tell me about a time you were fearless. 
So um, I talked about, you know, the fact that I'm introverted, that I that I really had this incredible fear of public speaking and um, but recognize that in my role and as I got into more progressive roles that I needed to step up and get over my fear. And so I was strategic, though, about it in recognizing that I wasn't going to go big right away, that I needed to build up the confidence to be able to do that. So I started off sitting on panels Mm -hmm. as a panelist, and then over time became comfortable that I could then keynote uh, conferences. And so over the last year, I've had, in, in particular, I've had the opportunity to present at some very significant conferences. And I have truly felt fearless in doing those. And for me personally, that is such an accomplishment because I look back to, you know, the blotches all over my face and my neck and chest when I used to public speak. And I don't have that anymore. I don't have the anxiety and the sleepless nights before I'm to to present. And so I talk very openly about that because people will say to me after hearing me speak, oh, you're so comfortable doing it. And I want people to know that this has been a journey and that I can be seen as an example of it is possible for those people who are just not comfortable doing it. So it takes practice, practice, practice. 100%. But what else? How did you kind of manage to calm your nerves and your body and move from, as you said, splotches and maybe short of breath, whatever that, lo- you know, it's different. Breath- different. I used to be told, I used to be told that I was very breathy mm. when I spoke because yeah. I was so short of uh, breath. Exactly. Really, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Constricted neck uh, and feeling. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, um, you, you just mentioned the, the single most important thing, practice. Mm-hmm. Um, people are surprised that even in my role that I'll actually spend time practicing to, mm-hmm. to public speak, but it's really important to do that because you need to be completely confident in your content, but you also want to make sure that, you know, if you're doing a PowerPoint presentation, let's say, what are the three key takeaways on each slide that you want to leave with your audience? And so really spending the time focused on what it is that you want to communicate, but then also having the flexibility to ad lib where needed or pick up on the cues of the audience and adjust. So, you know, there needs to be some some flexibility. So the practicing is key. The second piece is, and particularly the more senior you get, that people are often fearful of actually providing you with constructive feedback. And so I have very proactively sought out those people who I know are going to be brutally honest with me. I don't want to be told I'm great all the time mm-hmm. because I'm not going to get better if that's what I'm constantly told. And so I know who my people are who will be constructive and give me suggestions in terms of how it is that I can enhance the content or my presentation style. So I think that that's really key as well. So uh, I mentioned this in a previous episode that Morgan Freeman, the actor, uh, gave this quote. He thought that it was some of the best advice he ever received, which was, don't take criticism from people that you wouldn't go to for advice. Hmm. Now, clearly you're going to people whose advice you value. Yeah. You're getting that feedback. Right. But how do you handle criticisms? Not the, not the feedback that you've asked for, yep. but as a woman and as a leader, how do you, how do you keep that in 
in check, if you will. And, yeah. it, you know, because it can loom large if we let it. For sure. So um, I think we're all human. We're all sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so when you receive criticism, your initial reaction is to refute it or not accept it. And so, um, you know, depending upon what the criticism is, Mm -hmm. it might take a little bit longer to get to that next phase, which is actually hearing it, processing it, and thinking about how it is that you can do better, how it is that you can improve. And I am someone who's constantly looking to ways to self-improve. And so it really is important to own the feedback. Because I think that the other thing that's also natural is to believe that the person's wrong Mm -hmm. or it's about them and it's not about you. So it's Mm -hmm. what is it that I can learn or do better based on the feedback that's provided. So what drives you to have this goal of constant self-improvement? It's ambitious. It's exciting. It's, it's, you know, that rarefied leader that is not sitting back and saying, I'm good. Right. Um, I think that life is about experiences and um, trying new things. And I often talk about the importance of being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And so always trying new things or stretching myself so that I can have meaningful experiences that will allow for me to grow. Mm -hmm. And that is really, really important to me. And I think a big component of that too is I just have an insatiable curiosity. So always wanting to learn and to try new things. Yeah. My favorite word in the whole dictionary is why. Love it. (laughs) I think we share that. (laughs) A hundred percent. So what about a favorite mantra or is there a special song or what? What does Lisa Kimmel do when she needs to pump herself up? I'm not great at expressions and people who know me will always laugh at me because I always get the six eggs, half a dozen and not, and, and it's like, there's no eggs. And yet I still can't figure out what that expression is. Maybe you can help me out. I don't think I got it right okay, either. Yeah. Okay. But, but the one that um, often drives me when I am facing a challenge is the only way out is through. Mm. So don't fester, don't become paralyzed by the challenge, figure out how it is that you're going to get past it. And I'm very solution oriented. So that, that drives me in challenging times. I love that. I, uh, I typically like to run scenarios, you know, in, in advance of yep. a potential problem. It's like, oh, this could happen, that could happen, this could happen, that could, happen. you know, I feel like uh, this idea of through it is so empowering. Totally. And more people need to think about that when it, when that, you know, challenge or whatever and comes forward. For sure. And I think that a lot of leaders often can't make decisions because of analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. And I think that you need to find that right balance between the analysis and intuition. What's your gut saying? Because the gut piece of it, of the puzzle is actually what is going to allow you to get through. Mm-hmm. So who do you turn to for advice? So combination of both men and women. Mm-hmm. So and, and I and I say that because 
I think that it's really men and women see the world through very different lenses Mm -hmm. and which is beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I often find that the men who are my confidants are the ones who push me more than women confidants who are more careful, more measured um, you know, and I think that part of that is societal and, and you know, just given the, the environment in mm-hmm. which in which we operate. And so to me, it's about, you know, really harnessing the best qualities and advice from both genders. What about mentors and champions? Clearly, uh, to have the kind of stellar career you've had, there has to have been some people uh, cheering you along. For sure. So I would certainly start with my parents uh, from a very young age. Um, you know, one of the things that my father would always say to me was, you need to be a leader, not a follower. And he would often, and I, and I have visions of this still, of me playing with friends at home and him just observing us. And then he would comment afterwards around how each how we were interacting with each other, but also the roles that each of us was playing. And so when he saw that there were times where I could have demonstrated more leadership, he would point that out to me. Um, so very grateful to my parents who, uh, who are incredibly supportive and, and have always helped to lift me up. Um, and then throughout my career, I've had many people who have um, been mentors, but more importantly, sponsors for me, who have advocated mm-hmm. for me when I'm not in the room. And so, uh, you know, even within Edelman, identifying who those people were who I could see believed in me and felt that um, it was my responsibility to demonstrate to them what it was that I was capable of, but also articulating what it is that I want. And I think that often, mm. particularly women, have great difficulty um, speaking up and articulating what their career goals and ambitions are. And if you don't ask, you don't get. And so uh, I think that that's you know, one of the things that I often tell women who do have ambitions and aspirations that that they need to do that and then identify those right people who can be advocates and champions for you. So powerful because uh, your colleagues and other leaders aren't mind readers. Exactly. Yeah, you have to. But yeah, it's shocking because mm-hmm. so many people feel like they can just sit back and expect that people are going to identify or know what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. So take me back to the 10-year-old Lisa. We know your dad was around watching the uh, interactions (laughs) and finding those leadership (laughs) moments. Love that. Um, You gave us a sense of being introverted. Mm -hmm. Certainly very lovingly supported by your parents. What else was Lisa like at 10? Uh, Very diligent. You know, I was a really good student. Mm -hmm. Always got your homework done? Uh, always got my homework done. We know that because you prepare for <laughs> your speeches. To- totally, and yeah. totally. Like very yeah. disciplined around what it was that I needed to do to get things done. And, mm-hmm. and not only get things done, but get things done well, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I have a son who is incredibly bright, but he rushes through everything. He just wants to get it done. And, you know, I struggle with him because I, you know, repeatedly say to him, as does his father, you know, just slow down Mm -hmm. 
because you will ultimately end up with a far better result if you actually take the time. Um, so how, what else was I at 10? Um, into? I was, I was a big dancer, uh, ballet, tap, jazz. I look back now, I was terrible <laughs> relative to I my friends. No, don't they, believe I, it. You know, I think part of, part of um, you know, being successful is also recognizing your strengths and weaknesses. I was not a good dancer. And I'm also not a good singer, <laughs> which my kids will tell me all the time. <laughs> um, but you loved it anyways. Absolutely. That, that creative out. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, yeah. yeah. So uh, definitely someone who, um, you know, it's interesting. I never considered myself to be creative. And over, once I actually started working and particularly in the PR and communications industry, um, that was an under underdeveloped, underutilized part of my being mm-hmm. um, that I absolutely love now. And so because, you know, part, so much of my job is about running a business, um, I need a creative outlet and I love the work that we do on behalf of our clients, but I've really gotten into photography. Oh. And so I'm, con- you know, wherever Nature, I am. portrait. Anything, okay. anything. And so I'm just... Wherever I am, I'm constantly looking for interesting shots that I can take. That's inspiring. Wow. So you've talked about um, the importance for women in particular about speaking up, even in your own journey that, you know, from a young girl finding your voice. What's that advice or tips and tricks to really convey uh, your message more effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, a simple area of expertise for you, but it for is. everybody else, it's not, yeah, for sure. you know, it's hard to cut through and figure out, I need to, you know, make a lasting impression. Now, yeah. What's your advice for people? So, so the first thing for me that's really important that I often um, tell people is find an organization where that are, where your values are aligned with those of the organization, because that, is great grounding in terms of knowing, hopefully, that that organization, so long as it actually lives the values and it's not just plastered on a Mm -hmm. wall, um, should provide an environment and a culture where you can speak up and articulate what it is that you want to do. Assuming that that's the case, um, you know, one of the things that we do when we media train mm-hmm. spokespeople is we talk about the importance of three key messages and then having your proof points to back up your messages. Well, that can apply to any aspect of your life. So think about what is it that you want to convey, communicate around your career goals and ambitions um, and then literally write them out. And then what are the proof points to substantiate? You know, let's say it's a promotion. Um, you know, so what, is, what are the three key messages? But what are the proof points in terms of the evidence of why it is that providing you with a promotion is justified and the right thing for the organization to do? Um, I also think that taking the time to assess what do you what are the your objectives on a short term basis and then on a longer term basis but then still having that flexibility to be open to new opportunities that might be presented to you whether proactively or you know something happens within an organization someone leaves in a different department it's a department that you're interested in 
seek it out. And, and maybe that might be something. So it might take you off what you thought was your path, but that's okay. You're interested in it. You're intrigued. And so ask about it. So, you know, again, going back to this constant theme mm-hmm. of speaking up and articulating what it is that you want to do is, is critically important. I feel like we just got world-class advice right here (laughs) and that we're going to have people's careers amplified pretty quickly. Hope so. Amazing. So final question, and this is the big one, Lisa. What is your dream for Canada? So, uh, and I say this through a communications lens Mm -hmm. because that's what I do for a living. I am such a proud Canadian. I love everything that this country represents and the diversity and inclusion, the natural beauty, um, the intelligence of, of fellow Canadians. But the problem with us as a country is that we don't stand on top of the rooftops and shout out about how amazing this country is. All it has to offer And all of the expertise across so many different sectors that is happening. And so um, at Edelman, every year we do the Edelman Trust Barometer, which looks at trust across. Tell us more about that because it's so powerful. So um, the Edelman Trust Barometer is the largest survey of its kind of 34,000 people um, across 28 markets, looking at trust across four institutions, business, government, media, and NGOs. And... One of the findings, we've been doing this for, we just launched uh, two weeks ago in Davos, the 20th edition of the Edelman Trust Barometer. But one of the um, interesting points is, is that Canadian headquartered companies are most trusted around the world. And yet, we're not doing enough to tell the Canadian story on the international stage And it's not just contingent upon our prime minister to do that, but business leaders in this country need to do it as well, particularly as we're, you know, heading into some financial headwinds in this country. Um, There is uncertainty with what's happening south of the border, um, trade agreements around the world, globalization, et cetera. And yet business leaders in Canada tend to keep their heads in the sand and they don't want to talk about all that they're doing. And so my dream is that we could rally more Canadian Canadians, Canadian leaders to actually tell the Canada story. That's beautiful. So powerful. And I love how you linked it back into this incredible research that is so important. And I love that you've highlighted how this huge opportunity that, frankly, yes, leaders, but all Canadians have, we've got our quiet confidence, but maybe it's time to drop the quiet part of it. Totally. Like, stop being stereotypically Canadian. Oh, too humble. That's not the Canadian way of doing things. Throw that out the window. It's not going to lead to us being successful as a country. Mm-hmm. Especially when we think about you know pace of change and the opportunity that Canada has really on the global stage. For sure. Lisa Kimmel, clearly a brilliant woman, an important voice in Canada. She is Edelman's Canadian and Latin American operations guru, queen, head of, as well as sitting on their global operations committee. 
Very impressive woman. Award-winning. Brilliant. And thank you, Lisa, for being on the Fearless Women podcast today. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to read your book when it's out on March 3rd. And your story, which is so moving. But I want to hear, I want to read all of these Mm -hmm. other amazing Fearless Women stories. So looking forward to that. Thank you again, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, 30% Club Canada, BDC, Lockheed Martin, and Export Development Canada. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to the 30% Club Canada for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. The 30% Club believes that gender balance on boards and in senior management not only encourages better leadership and governance, but diversity further contributes to better all-around board performance and ultimately increased corporate performance for both companies and their shareholders. Want to learn more? Visit their website, 30percentclub.org, and select the Canada chapter to find out about membership, supporters, and key resources. Thank you to Export Development Canada, the international risk experts, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. Supporting Canadian companies of all sizes succeed on the world stage. EDC takes your worries away and helps you grow your business with confidence. When your business has no borders, neither does your potential. Find out more at edc.ca slash women in trade. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.